Welcome to The Room of Lives. I'm your host, Neil. Today I'm speaking with my friend Pratim, who is originally from Mumbai, India, and then came to the US and was a software engineer. At some point, Pratim started getting into Tantra and eventually became a teacher. Tantra is a spiritual path from Hinduism and Buddhism that's difficult to define but a narrow interpretation could be that it involves the transformation of sexual energy into spiritual energy. We begin this conversation with the subjective versus objective qualities of objects. Can perception be folded into Western material theory, or can that material world be folded into consciousness? We discuss my experience of a strange energy flow through my spine while meditating in an Indian mosque, and heart-to-heart energy flow that I've experienced with a couple of people. I describe the spooky visions I had many years ago of what would happen after my death. Pratim shares his own experiences of death and beyond that he obtained through psychedelics and tantra. We compare notes on our similar paths into atheism, then eventual reconciliation with some of our Hindu roots. Hey, this this conversation is kind of interesting. Do you mind if I record it on my phone? Okay. A B H A S A Abhasa. Yeah, Abhasa theory, um, which says that an object that, that doesn't exist except in our consciousness. Mm-hmm. But then people yeah. might say, but then how do two people agree on like, mm-hmm. hey, mm-hmm. this part is red, you know, like yeah. But the, the tantric answer is because the novel consciousness are part of the same consciousness. That's why. Yeah. Now each object has attributes. Um, there are multiple attributes, but scientific, uh, you know, the worldview. Mm-hmm. It agrees on the objective attributes. Like mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. part, for example, both of us see it as red, and so we agree that you know, like then they can have hundred people here, and yeah. most of them is it is red. But the the each each object also has objective attributes, mm. um, and those can be different for each of us. Like for example. Because you, you, your cat yeah. has been in this pot. Yeah. It might have some emotional value. Dude, totally. I was uh, uh, telling someone the other day that you know how people, when they have children or pets, they start bombarding everyone else with photos. Oh, look at a photo of my child or whatever. And on the receiving end, I have always, a lot of the times I've been on the receiving end of this, I'm like, okay, all right, fine. Okay, that's a child. Okay, cute baby. Okay, you don't have to keep showing me these photos. When it comes to something else, somehow you have a meter or a measure. Okay, I've shown you like three photos done. But when it comes to this, somehow I feel like the way that you're seeing these photos and the way that I'm seeing these photos is different. You were really kind of taken over, bold, oh my God, look at this photo. And you think that I should be seeing the photo in the same way that you're seeing. After all, it's the same pixels, but I'm not seeing anything so striking as you are. And then I started thinking about it. When I um, was fostering Poopy, I kind of started doing the same thing to other people. Like, look at this photo. And I was like, oh, hang on, just rein yourself back a little bit. Remember, the other person probably doesn't see the exact same thing that you do, even though the pixels are the same. Because I have seen Poopy in real life. I've seen this thing move around and like connect with me and all of that. And when I see the picture, it connects immediately with all of these other associations in my mind and presents itself as something more beautiful Mm -hmm. because of all these associations. When another person sees this, they only see like 
a picture of a cat. Right. So the thing that I will not be able to understand subjectively is how the other person sees the same objective pixels. It has different subjective attributes to me because of all the other of, associations. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And what the objective truth is, it's sort of the um, common denominator that both of us yeah. can agree on. Like, okay, this part is red, it is round, it has, you know, like this the diameter. But in a way, the more important attributes are the subjective attributes because people can go to war or kill each other or the subjective attributes rather than objective attributes, you know. Yeah. Um, but in scientific worldview, those attributes they don't even exist. There is no measurement yeah, yeah, of those yeah. attributes. Yeah. Um, yeah, that has caused like not a small amount of problem with Western material science, by the way. Um, you were talking about Abhasa, which is the theory that it basically folds the objective stuff into consciousness, whereas Western materialism has tried to do the opposite, which is tried to explain away like consciousness or psyche as something that's emerging just from the material world. So, so it kind of developed an agenda where like, oh, this material science thing is working really well, Let's, I think every, let's just assume everything is material, uh-huh. you know. So, so then the subjectivity thing, they just want to get rid of all of that. They just want to explain everything through material. But consciousness is like one of those things where they're still like, we don't really know what the fuck that is. How can you have subjective experience arising from the material world? And people have written books about it. Daniel Dennett has written a book called Consciousness Explained. I don't know what, what he has explained in that book, but I, I mean, feel like his basic argument is that mm-hmm. um, consciousness is not one trick. Like, let's say a magician has a magic trick that he has 10 days of doing the same magic trick. Okay, yeah. let's say he pulls this rabbit out of this hat. Yeah. That he has 10 days of pulling a rabbit like out of Like 10 hat. mechanisms. 10 mechanisms. rise to the same phenomena. The same yeah, phenomena. Yeah. And so, um, so according to him, it's like consciousness is that sort of a th- th- thing where mm-hmm. you know like multiple things uh, are happening in the brain and we do, do, don't know um, why mm-hmm. consciousness arises then even if we take off one mechanism the other mechanisms are able to produce it um, and so like yeah I think yeah, I think I'm butchering his explanation right yeah. now. I, yeah, I need to... Re- but need anyway, to I started but... reading his book and I pretty quickly put it down because I saw a couple of like gaping what I was like, that's obviously not true. Anyway, I mean that, I've heard of this synopsis. Maybe I'm not doing it justice of something called like consciousness is an epiphenomenon arising from all of the brain mechanism. Does not explain anything for me when it comes to consciousness. But I feel like consciousness is one of those things that still is like a thorn in the side of scientific materialism because mm. it gets its foot in the closing door and says, well, <laughs> not so soon. And then when you start going in that direction, it opens it back up to this big mystery. It's like, whoa, this can't be explained. That can't be explained. Oh, maybe the whole world is psychic phenomena. Um, yeah, but going back to what you were talking about, Abhasa, we were talking about that because... We were talking about this like energetic experience that I had of uh, like this heart to heart connection between right. two people. So, and you were saying, oh, and then you were talking about like the visiting of the, like the visits from like potentially like dead people from the spirit world or something through dreams. And you were saying, so how were, were you going to connect those to like the Abhasa? 
No, so I mean, I was just you. You do were talking about um, how the nature of science is. The true science is to not rule out things, but to say, "Hey, this is what we can explain," mm. and be open to unexplained yeah. things. Yeah. But right now, science has become a dogma. Yeah. The, the, the unexplained th- things are put into the box of craziness or yeah, yeah, know, like yeah. Yeah. oh yeah woo hippie stuff yeah. and I mean since doing Tantra I have been uh, more and more experiencing this guru hippie I stuff. I mean, you've become neck deep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> First it was like knee deep, <laughs> waist deep, chest deep, neck deep. And there is still more. I mean, like yeah. you know, like yeah. I like I said, there are times when I have to have orgasms across the room. You know, where there is yeah. no physical touch happening, uh, and uh, both people. It's not like only I am thinking it. Yeah, the the yeah. other person is like, yeah, man, I was orgasming here as well. So, and I'm like, what is it? Um, and the thought of it is being open to seeing it happening. That seems like with you, you you do not have to open your mind to. Uh, to, to to be open to this possibility and it still happened uh, in a way, you know. Yeah, but I do feel that in a way I'm I am a little bit open. Like I'm not doing anything beforehand right. to open my mind and invite this in. But the difference, definitely big difference, compared to the Neil of yesterday, is that now when it does happen, like immediately I'm in a state of sure. Yeah, that's real. You know, I totally accept that that's real. And I don't know how, why, but that definitely is real. And I'm content with the fact that this magical, unexplainable thing happened. And in fact, I'm happy. (laughs) So, So maybe that is a slight difference in the the substrate, which is my mind, Mm -hmm. on which these things are happening. So... um, yeah, and definitely, and the, the, that change has definitely happened because of prior experiences in my life. There have been a couple of what you might call like spooky experiences when I was like younger, and then of course eventually psychedelic experiences open up your mind. Meditation opens up your mind a little bit more. But do you feel like there are any, like even like vague? general explanations for like this heart-to-heart type connection so your orgasm across the room is it feels okay i'm just like making shit up now it feels like the chakras of two people are connected where it's like more like uh, the base chakra or i don't know if this is like yeah, a connection I mean, of like two like heart chakras yeah there like can be orgasms of the third eye there can be orgasms of the heart there can be you know there can be orgasms of all types i mean yeah, even the taxonomy of orgasms, if you talk to tantricas, they're like, oh, there are so many types of orgasms. It's not even like, because in the mainstream, it's like, oh, there is, you know, there's ejaculation and there's an orgasm, you know. But for tantricas, there's like, whoa, there are so many types and they're all different in different ways. So they don't think that taxonomy has happened. Yeah, in yeah. <laughs> a scientific manner because it is subjective. But yeah, I mean, what you say is definitely like uh, the main book of my lineage is called Jewel in the Lotus. Jewel in the Lotus. Um, it, there's a mantra Om Nani Pitadme Om. Oh, this is Buddhist. It is uh, Tibetan Buddhist in a way. Okay, okay. Um, but yeah, this book is Haiwa Tantra. If you open it, those are the exercises like how to move energy between each other's hearts. Oh, that's what I was going to ask you is like, 
is there uh, some theory frame, framework yeah. behind this and does it actually say this is how you do this thing so, yeah exactly you know, yeah. because the, whatever has been happening in my life has been happening like randomly it's falling out of the sky I don't even know exactly what or whatever um, let me tell you another experience this was not well you can you can understand yourself what this was so when I was traveling with uh, Prachi in Bhopal Bhopal has this huge mosque called the Taj Ul Mosque. Bhopal was under the rule of some like Begums, basically female like Muslim uh, like uh, queens. And I think under one of those Begums, this big Taj Ul Mosque had been constructed. Uh-huh. And so Prachi and I were visiting this mosque at a time when it was empty. Uh, it's a big square courtyard. And then this like kind of like a palace type thing um, in, in, in on one side of the courtyard. And um, I said, uh, Prachi, let's just sit here for a little bit and um, I want to meditate. And because, I mean, it's like a weird thing to do, like sit down and do Vipassana meditation in uh, a, 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 a mosque. But I don't know anything else to do. And like, you know, Vipassana like does something for me. So I'll just do it. And I was also a little bit curious of the effect of the location on the Vipassana. Because before I had like, you know, skeptical Neil had like always discounted these things. But I remember the first time I went to a Vipassana retreat, it was with this guy called Rustam. And Rustam was a math PhD student. And he had had like chronic headaches, a lot of issues with his life. But Vipassana somehow always like helped him. And so he took me there. He was serving at that time. As we were getting out of the car at the Kaufman Vipassana Center, he immediately like said, I like immediately feel like more relaxed. And it's because of, you know, what's in the air. It's in this place. And I was like, what do you mean like place? It was just like a place. He was like, well, a lot of people have like meditated here. Right. And so in my head, I was like, what? <laughs> How does that... A lot of people have meditated. So how does the air get filled with their psychic energy? And in my head, I was like, okay, whatever. I'm a little bit skeptical of that. And I even thought, oh, Rustami, it's because you're a math PhD student. If you were a physics PhD student, you would be in better touch with the reality. <laughs> That's what I thought. But I kind of, I was like, okay, I don't know about that. I'm not convinced. Um, I didn't think that a lot of people meditating in a place could induce something in that physical place that another person could interact with that just by being in that place, not even meditating. So I didn't think that was real. I thought there there must be a lot of positive associations for wisdom with this place because he has come, he has meditated, he has had good associations. And this happens all the time. It's it's not a spooky thing. Go to a place where you have happy memories, you feel happy, you know. So... Yeah, but while I was like meditating in Taj Mahal, that little thought did come in my mind. I was like a little bit curious. A lot of people have come and prayed here. Muslim prayers, nothing to do with the Vipassana meditation. But I want to see what happens. Uh-huh. And uh, another part of my mind was a little bit like, oh, God, if there's a God, I'm kind of sorry that I'm doing Vipassana meditation in a Muslim mosque. I'm just going to do it. If this gets me in your bad books, so, so be it. Uh-huh. So I was just like sitting and meditating and Prashi was sitting next to me. And after some time, I started feeling this energy, like, in my body. And I can once again tell you, like, the location and trajectory. Like, the other two, I told you that it was in my chest. And it was connecting my chest, uh, my heart, to another person's heart. And it felt like the energy was going back and forth between the two heart centers, connecting them. This time, it started, I think, I don't remember where it started, but it was, like, my spine, I think maybe somewhere in the center of my body. And it started flowing up and down, like from the base of my spine to, I don't remember at the moment if it went all the way up to the top of my head or something, but the base of my spine is where it ended. And like it was traveling vertically up and down. It was very clear. It, the energy came and it started becoming more and more intense. And then it started traveling up and down vertically through my body. Uh-huh. 
And I was like, whoa, that's definitely something's happening. And then another part of my mind is like, oh, it would be nice if I could hold on to this. And then another part is like, it's fine if it goes away. And then after some time, it went away. And I opened my eyes and uh, I told Prachi, uh, something, some, some weird shit just happened, you know. So, uh, like, what is your take on that? What do you know about that? The, 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 about the spine energy or about the, the energy of a sp- space inducing or like both, helping? Both, both, both. Like, I'm mean, just curious about all aspects of this. Yeah, I mean, this, this spine energy is seems like what is classically called Kundalini mm. experience. Uh, and yeah, you do the right thing, the, the, the guy not holding on to or having attachment to like having that experience forever. And then enjoying it, that mm-hmm. lasted, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like more and more of these things are happening mm. to you. Uh, so in Tantra, they say there's an event that happens, you know, the person's life, it's harsh, hakti tutat And hakti tutat is an experience that takes you up out of this dream reality in a way. There is, there is not the end of the awakening. It's the start of the the awakening. The you, the you undoubtedly realize that oh, there is something more to this than I had thought initially. Then it makes you active on your spiritual path, and then along the path, more and more such things happen. Um, so it seems like at some point, I don't know, then you had your uh and now, you know, more and more things are happening uh, to you. I feel like the first, like, spooky experience that happened to me was like way before I had encountered like psychedelics or meditation. And I think I was in high school at that time. Those were not good experiences. They were, um, they would begin when I, so I grew up with like an, an extremely like neurotic fear of death. And so they would happen if I either started thinking about myself, like who am I? That who am I was also a very fear inducing question because it felt like I couldn't locate who I am. If I cannot even locate who I am, it's that it's this like gaping insecurity. It's like I can't even find myself. I don't even know who I am. And it's also connected to the fear of death. Because if you can't find yourself, it's like you're dissolving. Mm-hmm. And that's like the experience of death. So somehow it was all kind of connected. So the way that these things would start is either I would look at my reflection in the mirror. Uh-huh. And I would start thinking about who am I? Or I would start thinking about my death. And in the beginning, it would be like I'm voluntarily thinking these questions. But at some point, enough momentum would start in this line of thinking that I feel like some other part of my mind would take over. Or like too much momentum and and then I would not be able to stop. Mm -hmm. And when I would not be able to stop, it basically felt like some part of my mind would open. Like some, some, some like room in my head would open and I would start being flooded with information that I did not want. And it was basically information about the experience like after death. And I don't really remember exactly what this were. I remember a couple. So it was basically that my particular identity and the particular characteristics that I have, body, mind, are going to dissolve. All right. And that when anyone dies, those particular things dissolve. And there's a kind of like flowing. So I visualized there was a backdrop of black nothingness and through it, a stream of light is flowing. And there are multiple streams of light flowing all together into this huge pool of light. Uh And when you reach that huge pool of light, you're gone. You become that, you 
it's not even right to say you become like the you ends yeah. and there's only that big pool of light and many people today when they hear of that they're like oh wow that's such a great but for me at that time it was terrifying it was terrifying i was like i do not want that i want me where am i there's no me fuck you know so so i used to call it the chamber in uh -huh. my head and i i have some early blog posts that's when i started blogging actually 2005 ish which i have some writings about the chamber but those were definitely very intense experiences they were not like kind of i had a mild spiritual type psychic experience they were they were intense to the point of where i was like i can't deal with this right. you know and i couldn't tell anyone it made no sense to anyone and it felt like i felt so alone in like yeah. this like kind of terrifying experience um so i don't know if according to the framework of shaktipat there is one or there can be multiple or if this counts as one whatever i don't know but this is my first memory of something strange and intense happening to me that opened me up to like there's something beyond this reality and i want to have nothing to do, do with it, it. <laughs> <laughs> you know and like a long time later after like some meditation or you know psychedelics i'm not scared of my death anymore and not so much there is still a little bit of attachment to me man i kind of like being who i am i like my life i like my whatever i like my brain but not as much uh -huh. as at that time and now i can you know i'm like more willing in certain different experiences to surrender to self because i've seen evidence that the more i do it the better it kind of gets so, <laughs> the 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 fear arises from the resistance exactly to, yeah. Uh, yeah but the the more surrender there the more like easy the more it becomes like an easy flow and uh yeah So anyway, it's just because you were like, kind of talking about Yeah, no, absolutely. Experience. I mean, that, 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 that's what like the, the beyond that experiences I have had also to, to point to this, the, 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 the direction of like the more you resist, the more you, you, you will suffer. Yeah. And the more you surrender, the easier and amazing it will be. Yeah. you know and uh, and a lot of our training in life is regardless in my view here uh, there's a training for that like mm. if small things right now make you agitated imagine like yeah. not, not being able, not being able to breathe uh the heat running out of your body because yeah. you know like there's no combustion happening anymore so the heat runs out so it's all old the water is like not circulating in the cold yeah you start like at the point of the death like as things turn off right yeah um the water is not circulating anymore so it's all starts getting dry and oh man the, the more easy and happy you can be in that like mm, interesting <laughs> oh <laughs> interesting oh suffocation mm, 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 mm. <sighs> you know like <laughs> the more ease you can have in all of this the more yeah. easy that transition to the the light the light yeah will be um for me the visual is like at the moment of death being thrown into a white water rapid where like <laughs> and the more you try to hold on to oh oh my 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 wife my parents my bank balance the more you will suffer instead of you are like reminds me of something that hanan said once she said that uh, maybe this is like in the in the quran or something but she was saying that there is this understanding or description of there is a certain spectrum of experiences of how it feels when the soul leaves the body at the moment of death if you're really like attached to your identity then it's going to be like taking off a tight shoe uh-huh uh, and then If you're not so attached to your identity, it's going to be like water 
flowing from the mouth of a jug uh-huh. from like no resistance so uh yeah so i remember i remember that yeah but you have had some of this like you through through mostly psychedelics right and a um, mixture of psychedelics and the tantra yeah yeah you've had these like death experiences death in between and then rebirth yeah they haven't been painful or scary yeah. they have been like i mean if i have to say like you know like if death is like the squeezing before the expanding oh yeah the whole is during the expanding or like if it was terrifying it's like i find myself in the womb uh and i'm like okay i'm still pratim and i'm holding on to all the stories and drama of my life but i'm in a womb and i don't have hands i don't have a case i don't have anything i'm like uh that i have to do this i have to do that i have to talk to this person and then i'm like uh that where am i oh i don't have any hands mm. i don't have any face mm. oh no how will i do this how, how will i do this action i have to tell this ha ha oh but i'm i'm not in my home or on earth anymore i don't know where i am but i'm in this womb or i mean this is me rationalizing afterwards that that's a boom yeah, but it's yeah, like yeah. maybe i'm a tadpole yeah. you know and i have i have no reason to worry about my my partner my bidang balance or you know i have no reason because i'm a tadpole and so that is scary at first like what the fuck i can't do anything about all these things that are so, so important yeah, to me yeah. and still then, like holding on to the holding on to that and then yeah. slowly you are like you s- <laughs> surrender to being like okay i can't do anything about it and that, then you are s- j- 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 just settling into this new reality of being a tadpole or being mm. the boom and you birth and you are like <laughs> Do you have that experience also? Yeah, like the birth experience also. Yeah, like again a new reality. Yeah. Because the womb is a reality of its own in a way. Yeah. You know, and then being the birth is another reality. Yeah. Yeah, even though you know we did think of it as okay, you know, you do. Yeah. And that a subjective experience is so different. And by the time you were actually born into the new reality, did you have any memories or identification with Pratim anymore? I think. the because the, the initial part of being in the womb is so traumatic yeah and it just fades away after a while like there is no point in remembering yeah, all the yeah, yeah. details of my old life because i can't do anything about yeah. it yeah so the womb experience just like overwhelms yeah. and drowns out the previous stuff the eventually. old the, the reality I mean who knows what reality is but yeah. that was my experience in this dream. Yeah yeah yeah. But yeah. you know it has struck me as surprising even the the last time you said this we were walking through campus yeah, actually yeah. you said this the the experience of being in the womb as being traumatic because like usually humans don't associate like you know a baby or something in a womb as being oh there's a soul in there having a traumatic experience. they normally don't think that it's having much experience That's at all hard. so what was surprising is that no you are still having all this in the beginning at least you are having this sophisticated things like oh i'm so pretty i need to do all of this stuff and so that really for me it 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 brings this questions like what are like womb consciousness is like like do <laughs> are some of them still like well i was a nobel laureate and now <laughs> i am a, a kitten womb you know or like Yeah. And there's a thing you don't even know the what boom by you in or yeah. where you are you you have no 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 idea because you you have no external senses. Yeah. Yeah. And um yeah it's and because this trauma the the types are memory and then you 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 are just happy like or yeah. just like oh, okay yeah, at least i'm having this yeah, yeah. and then <laughs> <laughs> and 
<laughs> born into an alien environment again. <laughs> so what happened after you were born? In that experience? So in that experience, I think I was born as a tadpole thing but they they then died died immediately i don't know how wow. they died and then it just accelerated and i was born into many wombs yeah uh, this is this i'm curious back. about oh not at the same time back to back the back to i mean who knows what the time just yeah. started accelerating and it the end of it i saw myself in the into many wombs and then the mantra ಹಮಸ್ತಾಸ್ಕಿನೋಸ್ಟ್ರಾಬಿಕಾಸ್ಟ್ರಾಬಿಕಾಸ್ಟ್ರಾಬಿಕಾಸ್ಟ್ರ
and it's a little bit like two two beings are living inside their body and sometimes yeah. they fight with each other yeah. as well yeah uh, yeah so this tadpole experience you were saying 86 lakh something that's the hindu idea that before a human birth you go, 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 go through 86 lakh births yeah uh, and it's only when you have you know like accumulated all that uh karma um then it says that you know like these other the, these other births don't have the power of discretion mm. so you go through your karma uh you know j- 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 has based on circumstances you know like um but then you take god as a human you have some discretion yeah uh, and that's yeah, their yeah. free will and you know is does free will exist or not exist yeah with that yeah. i recently had a um, conversation with a friend of mine called res i think if you two met and got to know each other you would find each other like quite interesting he was also he has also had some psychedelic experience he's one of those people where i feel like the universe is like leaking mysterious information into his head like all the time um, he was also trying to kind of explain this idea of free will from some like visions or some ideas that he has had um i kind of got it a little bit but wait, what was i saying oh yeah okay can i tell you something it's a little bit hard to explain but you know i grew up atheist and so i didn't want to have anything to do with religion like and the religion that i saw around me was hinduism i was just just big allergy towards any of that kind of stuff temples whatever but fuck off and then i came to the west i came to the us and i was like oh there's something some spiritual thing and then i started like reading actually i started reading like sam harris who's like a neuroscientist because it was more palatable to me yeah to get it from you know and then i started getting into this stuff and then i started resonating with different teachings here and there more it wasn't like being force fed or doing it just because it's part of a tradition or custom so yeah so basically the same thing as when i was a kid i just didn't want to just follow things so i wasn't doing that i was just like resonating with different things like oh yeah this sounds true this feels true etc and the and also had like psychedelic experiences and so as i kept continuing on the path the picture that the world started revealing itself to be was actually like a lot of it has been kind of described in different parts of like hinduism and buddhism so weirdly i started doing a loop and returning back to that which i had like rejected in many different ways and today sitting here as we are talking about these things and we're talking about you know like the, the theory of tantra the book that you mentioned all of these different protocols and the thing that's said in hinduism that about like so many different rebirths and the fact i kind of feel glad that i came from such an expansive religion that 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 accommodates so many different possibilities and that has so much richness and space uh compared to that if i even take maybe the broadest view of something like christianity it seems quite narrow to me like the right. story there's one god there's one guy and you know you know just get with the program you like do this thing whereas the stuff that we are talking about is like a lot of it is like like crazy like ridiculous stuff and yet it is all part of the uh, in fact i was talking to like a uh, kind of like uh, an intellectual who i met in india and he was saying hinduism is like the only religion that accommodates atheism as a path yeah <laughs> it's like there is nothing else out there that you're like oh yeah you're, you don't want to believe in god sure we got a path for that <laughs> and so in a way i feel like that like little atheist neil couldn't have been in any other school of thought so, than yeah. this yeah So in a way I do feel a little bit of a sense of re- reconciliation. I had this like aversion like pushing away and now I'm saying like I kind of feel glad that it was 
that my roots were in Hinduism because I do feel like, oh, I resonate with a lot of like weird ideas and there's a place for them <laughs> here, you know? Yeah. We're, we're sitting here talking about this. No, absolutely. I had a similar thought to you. It's not that I started out an atheist, but that after going to America, yeah. I became an atheist after I read about evolution and stuff yeah. like that. And the, 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 weirdly enough, it was Ham Harris who both turned me atheist and then also t- turned me uh, into like exploring yeah. these other dimensions of reality. Yeah. Uh, Damn and- Sam Harris, if you're ever listening to this in the future, <laughs> like, how did you even unknowingly like kind of change the trajectory to... Yeah, I mean like... Part of it is, he, yeah, his initial lectures are about, you know, like, yeah, why, yeah, 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 the, the religion that, that is thought is bullshit and that turned me atheist. But then he also has talks about, you know, like, what meditation and yeah. psychedelic experiences that are like, there is something there to, 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 to explore and he leaves it open yeah. and so that gave me the, the permission to explore those things yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah I think his I, I, I found it palatable his presentation of these things he was like oh if you think about the self it's actually also like a neuroscience problem we can't really find the self I was like okay I'm willing to be interested in this as a scientist. Uh-huh. And then the deeper I went into it, the more it was like this non-duality stuff. And like Advaita was like, okay, now I'm kind of uh, like, like more deep into like Advaita Vedanta and things like that. But if I had been immediately presented with that, I would be like, what the fuck is this? I, I you know, go away. But since it had been presented to me through this Western neuroscientist, presenting certain like you know philosophical questions and things like that starting from science i was like yeah this totally i have no problem with and then i like it was like a little ramp back yeah Yeah, which was necessary i mean i don't think i would have it any other way it's i agree too yeah i don't think it's like a it's substitutable like the fact that i went away from religion with disbelief and then came back to it is not the same thing as having just believed from time t equals zero. There is a difference. Then in fact, I think it's a more richer acceptance because like when you're back, it's not because it is expected of you or anything. You are doing it because you saw the light in a way, you know? Uh, And recently my parents were visiting me and um, they see who I have become. Mm. They, they, they're not the standard Indian that they expected. <laughs> yeah. um, in some ways, I'm more Indian than than yeah. most Indians, right? Um, and in some ways, but their mindset of an Indian is like a colonialized uh, employee mm. who is riding on the kick capitalist economy uh, and social acceptance you know so that's their view of like mm-hmm. like a standard Indian yeah. and I got to hold them in this hardness like mom I understand that I'm not who you wanted me to be and it's understandable because among hundred of your friends who have their it's in America. Nobody has turned out like me. And then they saw me doing all these hippie things. I took them to the parties where people were naked and stuff. Oh, you did? Yeah. Holy shit. And, um, and it, it like... But dude, kudos to them. They have like a... They didn't know it would end up that way. <laughs> but... Uh, oh, did you? Probably. I don't know. I see, uh, I see, I see. But, but I think they still have like a bit of a stomach for these things. Yeah. Like I mean, part of my, my reason to have them here was 
I was having a d- the double life, yeah. and it was so t- painful to have a d- 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 double life that I want to merge as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, and by exposing them to this, these t- 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 these conflicts popped up, and I could discuss them rather than you know hiding them away. Um, and so then you know like. she was traumatized that i have become a hippie uh and she's like oh i have why have you become a hippie then i i shared with her like hey mom like all these religious experiences that you read in this books and stuff i'm having those experiences mm. and and if you had them you would become a hippie too and yeah <laughs> i'm having those experiences partly after accepting the hippie path you know and i'm not doing this only as a hedonistic thing this is my spiritual path and it is as real as any i mean you are pedestalizing the people in this books who had these experiences i'm having those experiences too but you're like you are but those people who wrote these books their norms did did not accept them as well like those people like her teacher uh he left his home then to the forest stayed for 12 years his mom would have wanted a him to you know nari settle down take up a stable job as well but now you are reading his books like wow look at him amazing and i'm doing that too but you're like man no yeah there's a little bit of a difference like you want the the spiritual leader to be someone else yes. and you want your child to just stay your child <laughs> there's a little bit of like a possessiveness there like oh but if you like do that where are we yeah in the gay like the 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 spiritual path you still want to hold on to to the identity that you have yeah. the social reputation that you have and hold on to that while having a sh- Oh, of spirituality because that has social rewards. Yeah. And the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is what most religions have. They they become yeah. a show of religiosity for the social rewards. Yeah. Thanks for hanging out with Pratim and me today in the room of lives. Take care. Until next time.